All right, folks. We all know that one of the most common mishaps in hunting is damage to your rifle scope. Last year, I found the solution to that problem with the Stealthy Hunter rifle cover. It wraps around your scope and action securely to protect it from getting knocked off of zero or even severely damaged. Stealthy Hunter also has a glassing pad and a wide variety of supplements for the outdoorsman, such as protein powder, CBD products, turmeric, and gut health supplements. They also make a lightweight trauma kit weighing in at just 14 ounces that includes everything you need and nothing you don't for all of your backcountry medical emergencies. To shop all of their equipment and supplements, go to StealthyHunter.com and enter the discount code at checkout, The Northern Hunter, to save on your order today. All Stealthy Hunter equipment is proudly made in the USA. Listening to the Northern Hunter Podcast, home of all things hunting, fishing, and outdoors in Alaska. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. My name is James Payne. I'm Ryan Humphreys. And uh, we are once again sitting down with uh, Lowell Gilliland, uh, founder of the Wrangle Gear products lines. And uh, thank you again for, for sticking around with us. I know it's uh, getting a little bit late here, but we appreciate no, you being here. Thanks for having the show. the show. Yeah, no problem at all. Um, so we're, I really wanted to take another, another chance just to let people kind of get to know, know you a little bit better, know kind of your background, some of the stories, uh, from just from that first episode, uh, in the, the beginning part of it, you told some pretty, pretty crazy stories of your, your introduction into the back country, um, and how you got into it. And, uh, from, from talking to you a little bit off air, it sounds like that's not the end of the, uh, end of the story reel. So I don't dive into that a little bit in this one. Um. <laughs> for everybody that's listening um if you uh if you want to support what we're doing here if you like the show if you're listening um one hope you're having a great week so far but two uh if you want to support us mm-hmm. uh easiest way to do that is hit that subscribe button uh like and share the show with your friends uh ratings go a lot farther than people think and written reviews are gold so if you could rate the show and give us a written review that's awesome yeah um and if you'd like to help us grow and achieve more more media platforms and, and keep doing what we're doing. Um, head over to thenorthernhunter.com. Uh, we have a nice shop page there where we got some, some merch and whatnot you can buy, uh, hats, hoodies, t-shirts, uh, more designs coming on, coming down and, uh, the pro the partners page, uh, where a bunch of companies have believed in what we're doing here and decided to give us some discount codes on their gear. Right. And it's all really great stuff. If you buy from them, then, uh, helps them out. Uh, a lot of them are smaller companies as well, mm-hmm. um, but helps them, helps us, and we appreciate all the support. So, you know, I was going to bring up, and I forgot to mention this beforehand, but mm-hmm. uh, the uh, forty-mile hunt winter hunt has been canceled. Oh, has it really? Did it they come been. out with that officially? They did. Um, okay, it's supposed to open October twenty-seventh, mm-hmm. and as of right now, it's canceled for opening. And it may open later this winter. I heard they might do like an emergency order on that one because of the high yeah. quotas that was taken during so, the fall so, season. So they shut it down. Okay. And indefinitely. But it, right. it, there's a chance it might open later this winter. You know, they may open it around, you know, who knows? They may open it like in January or something like that. Right, but. right. Somewhere. Hey, I heard somebody was telling me that the, the reason they were kind of in a conundrum about that is so many of the caribou were taken up off the, the steep side. So right, the, right. the nor- more northern zones. 
and uh, kind of towards the, the the eastern end of their range. And that's kind of still where they're hanging out. And so they wanted to wait and give the herd time to migrate and all that um, and move off the, the easier highway access. Because from what I hear, there's only going to be a quota. If they do open it, it's only going to be about 100, 100 bulls. Maybe Which, maybe 150, but it's whatever the remainder is from right. from the fall because there were more taken in the fall than we're supposed to be. So yeah, and I mean, if 100 bulls would would be taken, more than that would be taken probably the first oh, day yeah. if they're near the road at exactly. all. Exactly. So. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, keep if anybody is interested in going on that hunt and figuring out, there is a hotline um, that you can call. Um, just Google the 40 mile hotline uh, through Alaska Fish and Game Department, and uh, they'll keep that recording updated. So. Before you head out or before you get too excited, make sure you call that hotline, see if it's even open or not. Um, and uh, definitely make sure you, we, we've heard of people going out uh, without calling the hotline, either, you know, uh, after closures or, or maybe right. they change, you know, sometimes they'll change it from any caribou to, to well, one bull. And, right. Um, you definitely want to make sure you're, you're learned up on that. Yeah. So. I heard a guy this year went out the day it opened the year before. And shot a caribou, brought it home, did like full clean, like, you know, mm-hmm. cut ribeyes, right? Oh, like yeah. Like cut it beautiful and then found out that the season opened four days after he shot that caribou. Oh, no. <laughs> so he turned himself in and uh, had to turn that whole caribou in beautifully <laughs> vacuum packed and everything. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's rough. <laughs> you know, at, at least he, at least he, he yeah, did he turn turned, himself did. in, which... Um, is, is always the proper thing to it do. Is, yeah. if, if you find out you made any kind of violation, always make sure you, you turn yourself in just, they'll more than likely be a lot more lenient with you if you do. And it's mm-hmm. just, it's, it's the honorable thing to do. I mean, nobody wants to be sneaking around breaking game laws and right. putting a bad name out for hunters everywhere. So, um, but yeah, no, that's a good point with the, the 40 mile herd. That's relevant for sure. You know, I need to, um, correct what I just said about the 40 mile hunt. Oh, do you? I do. So I just looked it up. So they, they delayed it for zones one and four, but two and three will still be open. Oh, two and three will still be open. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But from what I heard, one and four is where the herd's at right now. So. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Two and three is, uh, is a little bit. I've heard there's not many boo in that area right now. So, but if you want to go check it out, I mean, by all yeah. means, nothing else. You just have a great time out in the woods. So, um, <laughs> speaking of having great times out in the woods. Um, wow. <laughs> that was amazing yeah i like that one um so you told uh Lowell, you, you told us a, a pretty awesome and interesting story <laughs> at the beginning of the last episode um about your first venture into the woods uh going out as a packer and uh grizzly bears and and spending the night on the side of a mountain um, I believe you said you, you, you bivy camped in a, in a trash bag. Is that right? That is correct. <laughs> yes. A, uh, a contractor grade black trash sack. Never leave your backpack, you know, never leave home without it. Right. It's kind of like never leave earth without right. it. You might need it in space. Right. Right. <laughs> it's been known to happen. You know, it's one of those you know, do all has, uh, utilitarian pieces of equipment. You know, the good old trash sack, right? Mm-hmm. It's a dry bag. It keeps the inside of your bag, you know, from getting all nasty and bloody if you, you know, throw meat in there. I don't know. You might sleep in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> hey, anything to keep you dry. <laughs> I mean, in, in those right? situations. Like, I don't know what the R value of a black trash sack is on the side of a mountain, but I tell you what, it's better than <laughs> not having it. Right. <laughs> yeah. 
You know, I, I can't say I've slept in a, in a contractor bag. But <laughs> I don't think I have either. <laughs> but I, I'll, I'll keep one of those on me for, for sure, but I, I don't know if I'd be looking forward to a situation like that. <laughs> um, but sounds like you've had uh, quite a few, quite a, quite a few fun adventures out there. So how long, um, so you started guiding or packing, I should say, you started packing for him when you, you said you were what, 16? Uh, 15 or 16. And, and just to clarify, this was just um, packing for an individual on his personal hunts and he happened to be an outfitter oh yeah, these, gotcha. these weren't guided okay. hunts this was just you know when you start getting so, to be you know a little older okay it is nice to have a young yeah. strong back to carry all your own gear particularly when it's That's a young true. strong back yeah. of an individual that wants to learn about hunting and you happen to have right you know, 50 years of alaskan hunting experience you know and like, oh, back in the day, you know, we used to run polar bear and walrus hunts and mm-hmm. you have that kind of experience. Like, well, yeah, I'm willing to go ahead and uh, pack for, for free, basically, uh, just to be able to get out. Yeah. But I don't know anybody <laughs> else that is into hunting and you have an airplane. So, of course, I'm going to be <laughs> willing to <laughs> right. you know, pack whatever you want. Sure, I'll carry all my gear plus as yeah. much of gear as I can possibly take. And I'll make two trips if need be. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, the, the payment is the adventure exactly. at that point. I mean, they're just getting the the knowledge and, and the learning. And you know, when you when you're young, um, go for it, right? I mean, you don't have bills, <laughs> right? <laughs> you don't have bills, and you don't have a broken back yet. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I wonder how old guides get old. Hmm. Might be might be being a mm. packer. I'm pretty sure that having a uh, uh, bad back is like a pre qualification for being an outfitter, like a master guide. You know. Yeah, at least one day. <laughs> it might be. You know, I, I've heard, uh, you know, they, they say, uh, I, I come from an army background, so that's how I got to Alaska um, way back in the day. And, and um, you know, army years, you know, people will equate that, you know, each one year in the army is like like dog years, you know, it's like an extra four to, four to seven years on your life, like for how it wears down on your body and everything. And I, man, guiding's definitely got to be on that list too. I mean, guiding years are, or a whole nother thing, I'm sure, <laughs> packing around and all the terrain. Um, so, so you did, you basically, um, you, you worked with him, uh, for a while. It was kind of, uh, as, as him as your mentor, uh, did you start working for him basically as soon as you were allowed to, um, uh, like a, as an actual official yep, packer yep. or, uh, 18, I think was the, yeah, when I turned 18, it was the first year, um, uh, went down to Kodiak mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, packed for, for oh, bear awesome. down there. Awesome. Yeah, Kodiak bears, huh? How'd that go? Uh, well, I can tell you that a Kodiak brown bear hide is very heavy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I'm sure, uh, the, our other uh, co-host Dalton's normally with us. He, he does some, some coastal, uh, brown bear hunting. And I, I know I've talked to him quite a few times about the, the weight of, of hides and, and, um, the kind of packs it takes to get those out and the, and whatnot. It's, it, it sounds like an endeavor. I'm excited to, to head down to out of the interior at some point and try it out. <laughs> but the, the Kodiaks are a whole nother ball game, aren't they? Uh, well, I mean, it, bear hunting is bear hunting is bear hunting. Every place you go, there's, mm-hmm. you know, there's details that change. And sometimes it's a lot, sometimes it's a small, sometimes it's, it's simple as bears look different. They different genetics. They, mm-hmm. some bears are longer than they are wide. Like, are you good at judging, mm-hmm. you know, uh, a bear based on you know size in one area well maybe you go to a different area and the bears look different 
So you have to adapt. Mm -hmm. Um, As far as tactics, I mean, it probably changes a bit, you know, from location to location, but, you know, sit and watch, sit and watch. But of course, you know, spring and fall are are a bit different in that regard. Uh, You know, spring, you're sitting, watching, and every day you're seeing more bears, typically. Mm -hmm. Fall, every day you sit there not shooting a bear is a little more stressful because, you know, more bears are, you know, denning up and whatnot. And you see fewer Mm, and fewer as, you know, hunt progresses. Kodiak bears, are very unique. Kodiak is a very unique mm. location. Um, boy, I, I love Kodiak. Uh, it's very, very rugged. Mm-hmm. And just the the geology and the topography there are, is quite interesting, uh, particularly when you further mm-hmm. south you go. I mean, it looks like old seabed, but, you know, part of the uniqueness of as you have you know, these springs that are on the side of mountains that are pretty high up. Uh, you have, you know, phenomenal mm. salmon runs. Mm-hmm. There's tons and tons of food uh, down in some portions of Kodiak, at least according to the biologists down there. Mm-hmm. Some of the bears don't even hibernate. There's just food so much of the year that they right. can, like on the beach, you know, they can just feed and feed and feed. And they do. They grow quite large. I mean, it, it, peninsula bears, you know, grow just as large, you know, really, uh, you know, comparatively speaking. Mm. Um, they're... They're gotcha. the same. They might be genetically isolated, but Kodiak definitely has the name. Yeah, that, that's yeah, that's 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 everything I've I've known about the Kodiak bears is it's the genetic isolation that's caused them to to kind of separate themselves from other coastal brown bear areas um, with you know size and head head size and head shape and all of that being being typically much larger than than you'll find on the coast of the mainland kind of I, setup. And it it depends on the bear. How patient are you? Yeah. You know, right. <laughs> patience, persistence, and time have killed way more critters than, you know, yeah. that fancy new camel pattern. And that's coming from a, you know, yeah. it's coming from a guy that, you know, designs <laughs> outdoor gear. Uh, I, 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 at least, <laughs> right. you know, I want to be honest with you. you know, hey, get out there. You know, if you don't know how to do it, get out mm-hmm. there and learn or find somebody, you right. know, right. and just, Get out yeah. there and experience it. Sure, you're going to make mistakes. Try not to make mistakes that get you killed or hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get home, reassess, regroup, well, yeah. and go back out again. Yep. There, there's nothing that's going to replace infield experience, that's for sure. Um, and, and like you said, time is the biggest thing. Making sure you're dedicating the time to it because um, that's that's one thing. I think we talked about this just the, in a, a, a different episode is, you know, there's there's... There's, there's a thing to going out like on the weekends when you can. I mean, obviously, sometimes that's all you can do. But when you can dedicate the time to being out there and being patient and having the, you know, you, you don't have that urgency, I guess. I mean, that's, that's huge. That's, that, that can be the difference altogether. I mean, even, even, if, even if you're in just the exact same area, just dedicating more time to that same area. Oh, yeah. learning, um, you know, one area or just learning, you know, one species of animals' habits or is there, you know, mm-hmm. life cycle? Or just the ecology of, you know, like you're talking about that one region. He said, patience, persistence, and time. Those are the, the three things that have probably killed uh, more trophy critters than, than anything else. But good mm. gear makes it a whole lot m- less miserable. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it absolutely like, does. Yeah, when you're not, you're not soaking wet in your first day. <laughs> if you have a sleeping bag and not a contractor-grade trash sack, you're going to be a lot more comfortable. And you'll be really <laughs> glad that you spent, you know, that, $150 on that saving bag versus the 10 cents or 50 cents or whatever, you know, on that trash bag. Yep. <laughs> so was that where, 
so, so uh, was Kodiak Brown Brown Bears your first official like guided guided hunting? Uh, yeah, that's where I um, well, that's where you know, cut my teeth. That's where I learned, you know, the basics of okay, judging yeah. bears, and yeah, yeah, that's where I eventually got my guide's license. And believe me, yeah, the first hunt okay. that I was ever, you know, a contracted guide on, uh, was down there. Yeah. In Kodiak. Nice. Any uh, any crazy run-ins down there? Surprisingly no. not. Um, <laughs> Surprisingly not. I would say I, uh, when you're responsible for another individual, you're always going to be a little bit more cautious about the risks you take because you never know. You might know your limitations, that experience-wise or physically, mm-hmm. you know, capabilities, etc., or just um, snap judgment decision calls and, and how to mm. respond but you don't know what a client's background or abilities might be so you're always going to err on the right. side of caution i mean that's that's why you're a guide right you're, you're there to be mm-hmm. the responsible individual that knows the animals knows the areas knows the dangers etc mm-hmm. yeah no that's absolutely true um how, how many years were you guiding uh, brown bears down there let's see i want to say all told, it was maybe five years, five seasons. I should say five, five seasons. I mean, you say five years. It's kind of like, uh, mm, right, well, right. bear season's pretty yeah. short. Yeah, 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 is it? My, um, <laughs> my time spent, but you can learn so much about just going out. And in fact, the year that I applied for my guide's license. I, I didn't have, you know, technically enough time like in the field. Um, okay. I, I want to say it was like 90 days in the field is what was required. And one of the things you could do was just okay. go out and they called yeah. it game surveying. And, you know, okay, take a pair of binoculars and go watch, go look, go learn. And mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I had tons of experience, but I wanted to be above board in, in every aspect of getting that, you know, I didn't want to feel as though I had cheated um, in any way, shape, or form at the experience <laughs> level or had cheated myself. I mean, it's like, okay, I might have had 90 days, but okay, 15 days of that were, you know, weather days. Were you technically in camp and in the field? Yes, but eh, how much did you really learn? Right. Um, so, yeah, you know, got on a, you know, got behind a good set of binoculars and got on a good pair of hiking boots yeah. and went out and spent more time <laughs> in the field. It was good. It was great. You know, learned a lot. Saw, saw a lot of bears. You, yep. You know, see moose, see wolves, just open your eyes, slow down, mm-hmm. um, start understanding. Yeah. And the more time you spend in the field, you will notice humans are really, really loud when they go into the woods. Like in general, yeah. humans are loud. Yeah. Or the number of times that, okay, mm-hmm. step out of your pickup truck. And then, I don't know, get whatever you need at a pickup truck and then look in the snow in the parking lot and see how many times you moved your feet. You don't see animals yeah. doing that. No, you it's don't. like realizing how much of a disturbance you really are when you're walking out into the woods, and it's just all mm-hmm. of a sudden this this mm. more global understanding of how small you are in that picture, but how big of an impact you may have on just how animals mm. respond or you know don't based on your disturbances. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. Well, and and you know, not only how how they respond to to your disturbances but also i mean like you had said you know learning the animals you're pursuing is huge and when you're out there just observing them not necessarily pursuing them 
um, and just watching what they're doing, watching why, trying to figure out why they're doing it, where they're going, what path they're taking, things like that. That can can really, I mean, we we talk about a lot on the show with you know just scouting, scouting off season and um, you know uh, postseason moose scouting, preseason moose scouting, uh, scouting bear areas, mm-hmm. things like that. It's all super super important stuff um, for for elevating your game out there because. I know a lot of guys. They 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 try for moose, and the only times they're out looking for moose is during during open season, and uh, it's not always the best way to go. You know, I mean, sometimes you can get lucky, but well, and there you're talking about you know having just the time, the availability of time. It's really the one fine mm-hmm. thing that we have. It's like, well, I don't know. I, I worked right. five. I worked for the man. You know, it's like, well, I had the weekends available, and that's you know the first of the weekend warrior. You know, people still want to get out there mm-hmm. and. You know, more power oh, yeah. to them. And it's better it's than nothing. You're going yeah. out moose hunting for it three is. days because you took, you know, got off early on Friday. That's a lot of work <laughs> to put in, you know, one weekend. You know, getting it to the location, is. finding it's a, it. you know, legal animal, harvesting it, packing it out, and being back at work on Monday morning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a lot. It's it's a lot. Yeah. You know, I, I grew up um, hunting with my, moose hunting a lot with my dad, and he would just mm-hmm. bow hunt around the management area. Uh, you know, for most of the, most of the time I, I was growing up and, you know, even from being, you know, pretty much as long as I can remember, and we'd go into places and just walk, walk hunt in, you know, and I've heard it referred to as, as still hunting now is usually how I'll refer to it. Yep. And, and walking through the woods, you know, a trail is ideal because it's easiest to be quiet that way. But, you know, he told me, um, this is what he drilled into me is animals don't just get out, don't just, like you say, they don't get out of a vehicle and just go somewhere. Mm-hmm. When they're going somewhere, they go there slowly. They take a few steps and they stop and they look and they listen. If everything seems okay, they take a few more steps and they stop and they look and they listen. That's how they live their entire lives. And you can fool an animal really easily by taking a few steps, stopping, looking, and listening. Because then you sound like you belong. Mm. Yeah. As soon as you take 20 steps, you don't sound like you belong <laughs> anymore, right? It just take, it takes a true. lot of discipline. Yeah to to have that mindset of just taking a few steps and stopping even just for a few seconds mm-hmm. because inevitably you're going to step on leaves you're going to step on twigs you can't be completely silent right right yeah. especially especially in alaska no there's too much dead foliage yeah. everywhere and yeah exactly and brush and mm-hmm. and depending on the gear you're wearing and it's so hard to stay quiet but yeah <laughs> well and unfortunately the, a lot of the quiet gear that exists in in the the hunting realm isn't tough enough for for a lot of what we do in alaska when you start getting into the thorns yeah, and the, yeah. Uh, the, or, or the, if it is if it is quiet it doesn't shed water right? yeah right yeah <laughs> yeah all right so so these are all great lessons to learn but uh you had alert, alluded to a, a pretty crazy story you had about about an experience out there so let's take a really quick break and then uh, let's dive into that when we get back Hammer Bullets produces what we at The Northern Hunter consider to be the most premium and best working monolithic bullets on the market today. These bullets are easy to load, extremely accurate, and best of all, they're always in stock and ready to ship. The guys at Hammer designed them so that after penetrating the hide of an animal, it sheds its petals, initiating a massive energy dump while retaining the rear shank for maximum penetration. These bullets are built with 100% focus on how they perform on game, and their proprietary designs produce great VCs with specialized pressure grooves for amazing inherent accuracy and speed. 
They have a minimum expansion velocity of 1,800 feet per second, which allows for long-range shots, but with no maximum velocity, making them perfect for every cartridge from your granddaddy's old 3030 to the high-velocity round like the Weatherby 3378 without having to worry about your bullet failing. To view their expansive selection and find the perfect match for your hunting needs, go to hammerbullets.com and use discount code THENORTHERNHUNTER to drop the hammer on your next adventure. You've told a couple couple interesting tales already, um, but you, you kind of teased us with one that was that was pretty pretty intense from what you'd said. So um, let's dive into that. Let's what, what what do you got for us? Oh, I you <laughs> must be referring to the sheep hunt story, and and this is um, you know I I've told this story many many times, never on a podcast. It's like it's I guess a lot of mm-hmm. people are going to get to experience you know the the, the version. Uh, that hopefully is practiced, right? <laughs> but I guess <laughs> the, the moral of the story, <laughs> because every story right has a, a point. And uh, I would mm-hmm. say that the moral of the story is choose your hunting partner partners wisely. Very, uh. very wisely. Now, wisdom is one of those <laughs> things good. that you, you know, kind of like experience. You get shortly right after, you know, shortly after mm. you need it. And if you yeah, survive usually. the experience, it makes a great story. So that's what we have here. Mm-hmm. It's you know a great story is usually a mixture of <laughs> misery, yeah, intermixed with a little bit of victory at the very end. Well, I would say this is mm, no yeah. different. But it started off with uh, being a broke college student. <laughs> ah, <And> yeah, <laughs> like every good story does. <laughs> there's uh, a fellow I was actually working for him, uh, taking care of a bunch of his beef critters and equine um hay burners uh, over okay. the winter as he was traveling out of the state and uh, he came back in the spring and said hey you know like the, the critters look really really good thanks for taking care of them uh by the way you know what would you think about maybe going on a uh, sheep hunt with horses i said hmm, sounds good mm. to me i didn't know anything about you know horses yeah. or sh- you know sheep hunting i'd done a little bit uh, i told you about sheep hunting or the, my, the first sheep hunt I'd ever been on. I wasn't actually hunting, but I was packing. And right. he said, uh, well, you know, I'm getting up there, you know, I'm, I think he was 74 at the time. And he said, you know, I just, the oh, way wow. I figure it, there's just not enough time in a man's life to have more than 10 great Alaskan adventures. Like there just isn't enough time. He mm, said, no, I've had nine yeah. and I'm getting to the point that I, I really <laughs> need help in order to be able to get out into, you know, the wilderness and, you know, have this mm-hmm. 10th grade Alaskan adventure. Let's go sheep hunting on horseback for my 10th grade Alaskan adventure. And I was like, there you go. Sounds great to me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can only imagine. I think everybody would say that given that I, opportunity. Yeah, like, you know, 19 <laughs> years old. Somebody's like, hey, you want to go horseback <laughs> sheep hunting? But they, they never tell you that, you know, their horses haven't been used in, you know, probably seven years. Uh, the tack is, you know, probably right where it got left. I don't know. Ten years ago when it came off the back of a horse after the last hunting trip. Um, right. You know, th- minor details like that. Uh, this yeah. was in the spring. I want to say maybe May time frame. And so it's like, okay, sure. Yeah, um, absolutely. I will be ready and available August 10th or, you know, a few days prior. Mm-hmm. Let's go sheep hunting and i was going along i wasn't actually supposed to do any hunting but 
I don't know, July rolls around and I, I call him up and, and Carol, uh, was the fellow that, uh, asked me to come along. He's since passed away. And Carol was just one of those gotcha. unique Alaskans. I mean, just salty mm. to the core kind of a laugh. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that he brought his, uh, his horses and his cattle up on a surplus World War II tug and barge setup that he got uh, who knows oh, where wow. uh, from Seattle all the way up. Um, I don't know. He probably went to the inside passage. And I think he sailed up the Kenai River until his barge maybe ran aground. And that's where he unloaded his cows and his horses and said, I guess I'll homestead this. <laughs> I don't know how much of an exaggeration that is, but it makes for a really good story. Uh, you know, I'd imagine that back in those days, that's probably, <laughs> that could definitely be the way it went. Down. Oh, you know, I, I do know for a fact there's a surplus, um, <laughs> yeah. U.S. military surplus tug and barge that he sailed to Alaska. Anyway, yeah, yeah. July rolls around. I call him, hey, Carol, um, you're like, what's our plan? Well, when are we going sheep hunting? Said, well, I don't know. We'll probably go ahead and uh, we'll take off maybe the day before or maybe, well, maybe two days before. I give us a day to drive. So, okay, well, you know, should I come and, I don't know, work horses? Should I maybe check the tack? He's like, oh, no, no, that'd be fine. Um, you know, maybe show up at like 6 a.m. We'll go ahead and throw a few hay bales in and we'll uh, hook up the trailer and load the horses. We'll, we'll head on out. Is that mm. made me a little nervous because uh, I, I, I've seen how much effort it takes to get all your gear organized and ready to go. The other thing that made me really nervous mm. um, was he said, I said, well, you know, Carol, what do you think about like food? Should we divvy it up? Should we, you know, should I do, you know, breakfast, you do dinner or vice versa? He's like, oh, no, no, Said, uh, I'll bring some, uh, some dehydrated instant rice and some coffee creamer and we'll pick some berries while we're out there and we'll have rice and cream and berries until we <laughs> shoot um, a caribou or a sheep. And I was like, okay, I, in my mind, I'm thinking, I'm going to go ahead and, <laughs> and I'm going to pack my own food and I'm going to pack my own stove and right. I'm going to be well fed. Because if you've listened to the prior episode, you know that I've been on mm. hunts where I got very, very hungry. I wasn't going to let right. that happen again. <laughs> well, a little bit of a teaser if you haven't listened to the uh, prior episode. Well, uh, I, I want to say it's like the end of July. I call Carol just, you know, touch base, make sure we're still on the same page. Just, oh yeah. I talked to another fellow. He's going to come along. Uh, yeah. He used to maybe do some hunting down in Colorado. I think he's been on a horse before. It's like, Oh, okay. Um, so now it's Carol and Rob and like, Oh, okay. Well, three people. That's probably not a bad idea. Okay. Sounds like an all right fellow. Mm. Uh, I started getting really nervous. Like I just had a, like this quiver in my liver that just said something wasn't quite right. So I showed up, I think maybe like five mm -hmm. or six days early and I started going through tack and sure enough, like mice and squirrels and, you know, chewed through panniers and, you know, leathers rotten. Oh, so I spent man. almost a week getting tack ready to go to, you know, at least fixing it to where it was usable or, you know, at least you could depart the trailhead with mm, an excuse for a pack saddle. <laughs> You know, you never right. know what's going to come back like, but, uh, you know, that's packed <laughs> with horses. And here's the other thing. I really did, didn't know anything about working with horses, particularly packing with them. Mm. There's a little um, blue and white yeah. book. I want to say it's called Horse Hitches and Rocky Trails by Joe Back. It's like the mm. horse packer's Bible. And talk okay. about learning the hard way. Um, I, the, the only thing I knew was I'd read that book. And uh, there's a lot more to pack on horses than is included <laughs> in that book, but it's a really great foundation. So I'm grateful for that. 
yeah. I think four days before the season started, or four days was with Leeds, so I don't know, let's see, eighth, I don't know, it's like the fourth, I think. A friend of Carol shows up and says, oh, you're going sheep hunting? I've always wanted to go sheep hunting. Could I come along? And Carol says, yeah, why, sure, yeah, come along. So now we got four people. Now, I don't know this uh, other individual, and <laughs> we'll, we'll change his name, okay? We'll, we'll call him... We'll call him mm. Art, okay? And okay. <laughs> I I talked to Art a little bit. I was like, well, you know, Art, like, uh, what kind of hunting have you done? So, oh, I did some deer hunting, you know, back in Michigan when I was a young man. I said, oh, okay. Uh, he might, uh, Art's getting ready to retire. Uh, and he worked on the slope. Mm. And if you heard of the freshman 15 for the slope, and, and just like anything, you know, I think you put on the pounds as you get a little bit older. He did not look like he had the shape of a sheep hunter. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> and uh so i was like well you know art like what kind of gear do you have and he said well you know i think i have a rifle uh that should work i said well what caliber is it he said well what do i need and i said well uh tell you what what rifle are you most comfortable shooting he said oh i got this 308 mm -hmm. it is perfect it is exactly the right weapon for this i said okay well if you're really comfortable you're accurate you know shooting this you know 308 that'd be plenty to sh you know shoot a sheep with go ahead and get you know yeah. hunting ammunition and go ahead and get this sleeping pad and this tent and this stove and all this other gear. And I lined him out. It's like, mm -hmm. now go to Sportsman's <laughs> Warehouse in Soldotna. And this is, you know, what you need to get. He's like, okay. So day of shows up 6 a.m. along with Rob and Carol. And we, you know, threw some hay bales in uh, the trailer and took off. And I want to say mm -hmm. it was like a 600 and something mile drive. Yeah. I mean, it was like, yeah, wow. it was two days. That's a, that's oh, a stretch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and as we're driving up there, uh, first of all, I should I should mention that Carol Martin was a, a trucker for uh, a period of time. And, and Carol's a phenomenal individual, but uh, or, or was mm. uh, really enjoyed uh, him. But one thing that anybody that I, I've ever talked to uh, that has driven with him has always said, is there there is a depression in the floorboard of the passenger uh seat where there should be a break and it was a very <laughs> very long i don't know like 15 hour drive trying to push this imaginary break uh as we're flying up to go sheep hunting but here's um art you know sitting in the seat and he's talking about all this you know hunting gear and he starts talking about his rifle and he's like yeah you know it was doing kind of something funky when i was out at the range sighting it in like every time i pulled the trigger like it would shoot twice Oh, and that was like the, the first <laughs> moment that I just kind of sat back and thought, what have I got myself into? <laughs> the other thing is, oh, man, to convince uh, Art to go ahead and take a Western saddle. Now, if you're not very familiar with saddles, uh, typical saddle you see in a, you know, like a Western film is a Western saddle. It's, it's designed for um, riding in the mountains. It has a little bit um yeah. More seat to it, shall we say, than say an English saddle. Well, Art was mm. very convinced that he should bring his English saddle, and his English saddle mm. got brought along, even though we could. We, we tried to talk him out of it, but we threw in a, a spare saddle for him just in case we could change his mind on this thirteen or fifteen or however long many hour trip it was. <laughs> no, we get to the parking lot and start packing up. Art's definitely going to use his English saddle. And since I'm the youngest individual, I probably 25, maybe 30 years. Mm -hmm. When all of this gear starts showing up from Walmart 
and you know all other you know manners of you know non sheep hunting type uh, retail locations. Yeah. It took up the riding horse that I was supposed to ride, and that got turned into a pack horse. So now I'm the youngest guy. Obviously, I'm going to walk right. So I start walking, and here's uh, Art on his big giant barrel chested quarter horse with this tiny little uh, English saddle, and I like a hundred yards outside of the trailhead. I mean, maybe a hundred yards. There's this little incline mm. and the horse goes up the incline and art doesn't go up the incline. <laughs> oh, no. And he rolls right <laughs> off the back uh, of his horse. And, you know, I, I give him credit. My gosh. I mean, that looked like it really hurt. And he just kind of grunted and he got back on. That man knew how to suck mm-hmm. it up. I tell you what. Yeah. Uh, but that was another inclination that, that you know, is it is a look into the future. Like this might mm-hmm. not be the right, this, this trip might not go as planned. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> so we continue, you know, hiking and, uh, or I'm hiking, everybody else is riding and they got these two pack horses. And one of which, one of them is like an old race, like 32, maybe 35 years old. It looked like it was on death's doorstep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was a borrowed horse. And I think we we're supposed to take it into the woods with the hope that maybe the owner wouldn't have to put it down. I'm not entirely positive of the story on that one, but again, you know, it's mm. wasn't my horse, uh, wasn't my circus, wasn't my uh, monkey, right? As the saying goes. Right. So I'm just yep. along for the ride. Uh, <laughs> we go through some of the worst <laughs> swamps I've ever taken a, a horse through. And I get up uh, on the other side of this horrendous valley. And we're walking to the side. And this mm. is supposed to be day one. I want to say it is August 9th now. And. Yeah, we maybe maybe it's six miles and we got another twenty five ish maybe to go, and this is the end of day wow. one. Wow! And Art has fallen off one more. Oh uh, no, two more times actually. So he's fallen off three times so far, <sighs> and Golly. he's still sucking it up. And Carol's doing just fine. You know, he's kind of taking care of himself. He's got his rice and his cream and his uh, berries. He's going to pick for you know dinner. <laughs> and Rob, you know, he's <laughs> actually had quite a bit of experience with horses. Uh, and I was very, very grateful for what I learned from it on that trip. So we're going up, starting to get dark. Yeah. And you know what those, they, I call them rice paddies. You go up the side of a mountain, sometimes you get like this little spring, the seepage. And so an entire side of a mountain that looks like it should be just rocky and tundra is really, really wet. Mm-hmm. And I bogged down, yeah. ran into a bunch of those, trying to figure out a way around it. And so I ended up going over the top of this mountain. And it was a, it was a legit mountain. Um, not really a place that you want to take horses. <laughs> <laughs> and we're almost to the top. And I, I'm getting tired. I'm getting frustrated. Um, I think everybody's a little frustrated. The horses are frustrated. And Yeah, I was going to say them especially. <laughs> and if you've ever been around horses, you know like the sound of like horse hooves hitting hard ground when it reverberates mm-hmm. through the ground. That's when they hit really, really hard. Well, this English saddle right. that Art is riding, you know, it slips back. It's way too small for this you know, big barrel-chested quarter horse. It doesn't have a breast collar on or anything. So when this saddle slips back, and this is what had happened, I think, a couple prior times, the um, <clears throat> the cinch turns into kind of a flank strap. You know, it hits the flanks of the horse, and anything will buck, you know, when you stick a flank strap on it. And so he's getting yeah. bucked off as this yeah. you know, saddle slides back. So he's going up the side of this mountain, and I'm a little ways, I don't know, 100 yards ahead. And I hear horse hooves hit the ground really hard. I can feel them, you know, the vibrations. Mm. And I turn around, and I see art midair. Like, the horse is bucking oh. right and it, it's it's rear end is higher than its front end and it's just on the side of a mountain too so you had to take that into consideration it's going up 
So they're really bucked. And Art is sailing upwards. And I can start to see daylight between Art and the horse. And the horse, you know, lands its feet, you know, and starts bucking again. And Art hasn't reached the apex of his, you know, flight yet. And he starts coming down. And as Art, you know, starts uh, accelerating towards Earth, the horse starts accelerating away from the Earth. And they, you know, meet in the middle. And Art goes absolutely sailing. I mean, it's probably one of the worst horse, you know, like getting bucked off a horse I've ever seen. I mean, you go to a rodeo, it's tame. Yeah. Uh, you know, bull riding. Yeah, what's that? <laughs> you know, just just watch this. <laughs> just get bucked off a horse on the side and, of a mountain. <laughs> earlier, you mentioned about, you know, some, actually, uh, prior episode, you talked about what are these safety items you should have on your person? And I would mm, argue yeah. that one of them should be an emergency locator transmitter. Uh, you can get really small ones, mm. you know, ELT. Uh, they're about the size of a candy mm-hmm. bar. They fit in your pocket. If you pull a pin, somebody's going to come for you probably within 48 hours. Uh, I mean, that's what yeah. you hope. But it's yeah. a communication. Right. Uh, yeah. We've progressed a little bit beyond there, you know, with the in-reach and whatnot. Uh, you can send text messages. Mm-hmm. But those, you know, like I said, they're the size of a Snickers bar. I carry one with me pretty much everywhere. I had it in my pocket. I've never pulled the pin yeah. on it. I would like to keep it that way. But this was the one day I thought to myself, hmm, I've always wondered when I was going to have to pull that pin. Yeah, I was like, this might be it. <laughs> so I dropped the lead rope and the horse I'm leading and I run back to Art. And he's just like barely rolling up like onto his side when I get there. And he's just moaning. He's holding his knee. And he said, oh, my mm. knee, my knee. And I'm like, oh, this is it. Yep, I have to pull the pin. And he's like, oh, my yeah. fake knee. Oh, <laughs> it's like your, your <laughs> fake knee. You're like, oh, yeah, I had it replaced a few years ago. Oh, I was like, no. oh, this would have been good information to know before we went on the sheep hunt. He's like, yeah, it's, <laughs> right. yeah, it's making, you know, this weird clicking noise. And at this point, like in the back of my mind, I'm kind of hoping like it's titanium, like it's stronger than bone. Like maybe it's not actually hurt. Yeah. No, it, <laughs> right. he straightened his knee out. And honest to God, it sounded like a ratchet. Like when he, when he turned it, it went click, 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 click. And as he straightened, I'm thinking to myself, like, do I flip the little switch? To go, so he can retract mm-hmm. and go click, 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 click the other way. <laughs> and are you, I don't know if you're familiar with the, uh, the old infomercials for the hurricanes, like the, the hurricane, um, little cane, you know, you snap together, whatnot, you get it at Walmart or Target or whatever. It has a little shot cord in it, kind of like a temple. <laughs> so here's Art holding his I don't think knee, so. <laughs> and he's like, oh, click, 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 click. And he's like, oh, he said, yeah, go to, go to my saddlebags. I, I have a cane in there. Well, I go find his cane, and it is a hurricane on a sheep hunt <laughs> in the middle of the Alaskan wilderness, miles and miles and miles from anywhere, with a clicking fake knee, <laughs> with an English saddle. Oh, man. And this is when you learn that That's... a level 10 can be a level 15, and then your level, ten, you know, your level 15 then becomes the level 10 of misery. Because Art got up right. with his hurricane and finished walking that day. No, no kid. kidding. He's like, I don't think I'm going to ride anymore. He'd fallen off his horse four times that day. Wow. And he walked the last mile <laughs> and a half, like down off the side of this mountain with his hurricane. And there's no, there's no feed. There's no water. There's no place to tie the horses. Mm. Oh, man, I'm talking to Rob. Yeah. Rob has some experience with horses. 
he's like, ah, you know, like, I'm not really sure where to, you know, put these horses. I'm like, I don't know either. You know, like maybe we can like tie some rocks around the lead ropes to slow them down when they run away during the middle of the night. Cause we don't have hobbles and they don't high line. And there's nothing to tie to. He's like, well, that's better than anything else we got. So we started tying these big, you know, slabs of, you know, shale, um, type rock to the end of these lead ropes on the side of this rice paddy, which is, you know, the best, uh, feed there is. It's just really low, um, caloric content for horses but it was better than nothing mm. and you know here's you know carol taking care of himself no problem he's got his rice and his cream and his berries uh and he's loving life and here's art <laughs> you know is really not feeling so good and rob and i are like what in the world do we get ourselves into and me particularly mm. you know, like, oh gosh you know like i really don't know what to do um i am i am not the one that should be making the decisions here <laughs> yeah right (laughs) i i'm the youngest individual i have probably you know the least life experience but i i guess Mm -hmm. i guess the the clock is pointing to me and said you're the man of the hour figure it out and Mm. so he tied all these rocks to the end of lead ropes and here these horses you know and they'll take like two steps as they're grazing they'll be like squish squish because you know it's soft you know moist ground you can hear the you know suction (laughs) of the horse hooves lifting up and you hear the squish, squish squish of them walking and then you hear them dragging these rocks and the rocks are kind of settled down into the mud. So there's a little bit of suction. So it's like mm. squish, 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 as they're dragging these rocks. <laughs> so you got, you know, six horses all tied up. And all you practice that a time or two. And you ever you like kind of notice there's like a little bit of a background noise, but you don't, it doesn't catch your attention quite right away. Well, I was, I thought right. I heard like an airplane in the background. I'm like, oh, that's odd. Like it's, it's dark. Like why would it, and a small airplane be flying out here, you know, right now? Like I didn't pull the pin on my ELT, but I'm glad I, you know, had it in case I needed it. Like nobody should be looking for mm-hmm. us. It's, you know, why in the world is there an airplane? That's a funny sound, an airplane. I'm walking back towards camp and the sound of this airplane keeps on getting louder and louder and louder. I finally get to back where the uh, tents are getting set up. And I'm like, there's n- not an airplane. That's a battery powered like motor or something. <laughs> and I look inside the tent <laughs> that Art has from Walmart, and there is the cushiest eight inch thick <laughs> air mattress with a four D cell battery powered blower inflating it. Oh man! Uh, the man did know where to put the money, uh, or at least the comfort. I'm not going to say the money because it was, you know, probably a Walmart special. I know I'm hating on Walmart, but right, you know. yeah. <laughs> that, I don't think anybody's going to complain yeah. about. That. So anyways, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, Carol said, "Oh, I'll sleep in that tent." You know, he's 74 year old, bo- you know, bones are like, "Oh yeah, that that eight inch thick air mattress mm-hmm. on the sheep hunt looks really, really comfortable." Oh, like, I want no part of this circus. Like, I'm just, you know, setting out my little, you know, tent off to the side. And Rob and I are kind of talking. We're like, I don't really think we're going to make it. You know, like, I'm not really sure what to do. Like, maybe we should talk to Carol about, like, do we abort? Like, what do we do? And Mm. uh, it was a very, very somber camp that night, shall we say. (laughs) I went to bed all night long. I was like, I mean, I'm trying to, like, I'm exhausted. I should be tired. I should be able to sleep. But all night, all I hear is squish, 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 squish. <laughs> as these six horses are grazing and dragging their rock tethers 
<laughs> so yeah, we wake up the next morning and, uh, Carol, you know, I've had time to think about it. Like, you know, it, there's no way we're going to make it, um, to where we're going to go sheep hunt and like how you just leave us. And I was like, Oh, that doesn't sound like a good mm-hmm. idea. You know, like, ah, I don't know. He's like, Oh no, we got a rice in here with berries. If a, if a caribou, you know, comes through, uh, we'll shoot that for some camp meat. We'll hang it up. And we got, you know, some tender quick, we'll build, you know, build this little meat drying rack and a big old fire. And I was like, well, mm-hmm. how about we at least get below tree line? That way, you know, you have like firewood to do this with. So we help when we get down, we all right. below tree line. And then Rob and I take two of the six horses and we take off, uh, headed towards where we're going to go sheep hunting. And they're like, yeah, you know, like if, uh, you know, maybe come back within, within a week, you know, and, and Art and Carol are, are hanging out at camp. Like, yeah, you know, come back within a week. I was like, okay, you know, if we're not back within a week, like send somebody looking for us. This is where we're going. So yeah, Rob and I each take a pack horse. So like, <laughs> well, at this point, like we might as well just walk, you know, we're just going to take our backpacking gear. It'll be a really light camp. We'll have something to pack sheep out. And we're talking, mm-hmm. it'll be like 20 something miles to go still. I'm like, oh man, we got, it's a long way. We got 20 miles. We're probably <laughs> not going to make it, but we're going to try. We got two horses. We got a little bit of feed for the horses. Hopefully we'll find grass. We're not really familiar with the country. They're like, man, I don't know. I don't think we should leave Art and Carol for a week. Like that just, I don't know. I, that just sounds like a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we took <laughs> off. We found sheep uh, like two days later. And mm. through a series of events, I was supposed to be the last person that ended up shooting sheep. But the sheep was right there. So, and I was the only person around, you know, uh, uh, Rob had taken off and gone a different direction. So I ended up shooting a sheep. It was the only sheep that was harvested. And we skinned it out. Uh, Rob came and helped me dress it. We took it back to camp with the uh, two horses and we're like, Oh man, we see mm-hmm. one other legal sheep. Like, what do you think? You want to go up there tomorrow and shoot that Rob? He's like, uh, like, I don't know. It's been four days. I think we should be getting back. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I don't know. Carol's probably running out of his uh, rice and cream by now. <laughs> I don't know. There, there weren't too many caribou that we've seen running around. I don't think he's going too far. <laughs> right. So we ended up packing up the sheep um, and, you know, camp and whatnot, and we took off. And we made it all the way back out in one day, the two-day trip that coming in, um, well, yeah, from yeah. base camp with Art and Carol. We make it back there in one day. It was a hellacious day. And we get back to camp, and there's no Art, and there's no Carol, and there's no horses. And this is, I don't know, at like 1030 at night. Really? And I'm like, this isn't good. So I started like looking around for a little note. Finally find a note. And it looks like, you know, somebody taking like a, a 22 bullet, you know, with the little, the lead and scribbled on like the only scrap of paper <laughs> they could find. And it says... Hope you have Rose and Amigo. We're headed to the trucks. <laughs> now, Rose and Amigo are two of the horses. Rose. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm, yeah. I'm assuming those are the two horses. Yep, Rose was. Or not, not the two you his had? favorite horse. Carol's favorite horse is Brood. Okay. Who is later, you know, come to find out. is actually pregnant with a foal that he promised to his grandkids. Um, at, that I think lived out of state at the time. And Amigo is mm. his grandkids that lived in state's favorite horse so things went from like pretty bad to really bad now now are these the same two horses that you have or are these two horses that they hoped you had in addition addition to the two two. so they had the four horses at the base camp we had two and these are the two that had apparently gone missing oh no so (laughs) 
again, you know, you're getting the story like as it's unfolding. You know, we're thinking the exact same thing. You're thinking like, hope you have Rose and like, I don't know what happened to Rose and Amigo. Like, what aren't they with Art and Carol? Like, well, apparently not, as they say that they hope we have them, but we don't have. We haven't seen them in four days. <laughs> and I was like, oh man, you know, I really don't want to pack out this camp because there's all kinds of gear. I mean, they, they just left the camp. I think they just, you know, left with the shirt on their backs, basically. And maybe the rifle oh, fired wow. twice when you pulled the trigger once. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we, we've just gone 20 miles. And we were, at this point, we were just really fed up with the whole situation. We're like, oh, let's, we'll make it to the trucks tonight. And yeah. so we go across that hellacious swamp. The first hellacious swamp that I told you about is the worst swamp I've ever taken a horse through now. Mm. Yeah, we went back through that in the dark. At I don't know midnight, and we get to the other side, and it, we can kind of like make out on the skyline, on like an adjacent ridge, this like oblong object, it's kind of like light colored. And I swear that I hear an airplane. <laughs> it is not a rock; it's a tent. I'm like, yeah, That's where Art and Carol are, with a very with comfy a very air mattress comfy inside. Mattress. <laughs> yep. So. At least we hear the airplane. I mean, the, the airplane. So we head towards <laughs> yeah. the airplane. And sure enough, it's Art and Carol. And they made it, you know, I don't know, maybe halfway to the trucks. Uh, they made it through that really, really terrible swamp. And, you know, we're okay. talking to them. Like, yeah, you know, like, I don't know, two hours after you guys left, a sow and three cubs, a uh, sow grizzly bear and three cubs came through camp. And two of the horses got away. That's Rose and Amigo. Oh, man. And they never seen him, you know. The four days they spent there, um, they looked all mm-hmm. over. I think that's all they did. That, that and picked berries for rice and cream and berries. I'm sure they were very, very hungry. <laughs> Again, I mean, you can't make this stuff up. And these are some, I mean, tough as nails dudes. Um, they, yeah. they really know how to Sounds suck like it up. It. So it is <laughs> probably close to 1 a.m. Everybody's the horses are tired. I'm tired. Rob's tired. I, the soles of my feet, I think, were almost walked off. I mean, I had like duct tape everywhere. You know, trying to cover up the blisters because mm. uh, I was planning on riding, you know, the the 20 something miles or 20, uh, close to 30 miles, I think, in. And then, you know, the close to 30 right. miles out. So, you know, 60 miles was a little bit further than I was planning on walking. Uh, at least I wasn't an extra mm-hmm. tough, though. That, that, I know some really um, hardcore old guides that that's all they ever guided in was sheep hunts and extra Oof. toughs. I'm like, oh, that is tough. That is that is not a lot of yeah right (laughs) so the next day uh you know it's like three more miles of the trucks we take you know the four horses now um and we make it back to the trucks and we drive to the nearest town and hire a guy to go look for the horses uh, in an airplane Mm. flew and flew and flew and flew couldn't find any hide in your hair trace of these horses you're like well okay Mm. so the next day rob and i are like well we better go back in and get that camp that's you know seven miles in and Art's feeling a little sheepish, um, I think. You know, he's like, ah, this wasn't quite what it cracked up to be. And uh, yeah, that mm-hmm. that English saddle, maybe I should have listened to him and you know, taken that Western saddle. <laughs> so he walks up to us. And this is after uh, Rob and I have a conversation. Like, Man, I think we're going to just leave that, that English saddle out there just to spite him just a little bit. <laughs> and we we're getting ready to leave the parking lot with this pack string to go pick up this camp. And, and Art mm. walks up and says, you know, hi, you can probably just leave that English saddle out there. 
<laughs> so of course we have to bring it back. <laughs> to this day, I don't think I've ever packed anything so ungangly and difficult to pack as a saddle that is not mm. on a horse on the back of a horse. Yeah. yeah. So anyways, we got all the gear. We even got the saddle and brought it back. Um, it was a very, very quiet ride uh, all the way back home. Like, you know, like, what do we do? And mm. I, I know that I made that depression in the floorboard where there should have been a break a little bit deeper in the passenger side. <laughs> what maybe took us like 15 or 16 hours on the way up, maybe only took us 14 on the way back. You know, we were wow. two horses short. I mean, <laughs> all that, you know, we didn't have all that extra weight. That's we a lot, a lot weight. faster, you know? Uh, yeah. Plus it's south, so, you know, it's basically <laughs> downhill. <laughs> uh, so we left some posters and some signs up, um, you know, notifying anybody that might be in the area hunting, hopefully, um, that, hey, we got lost mm -hmm. some horses, like, call this number. And we took off going home, get home. It's like two weeks, three weeks later. You know, this is like well into September. Well, it must have been, it was September, so it must have been at least three weeks later. And mm. uh, I get a call on a Friday morning. No, I think it was a Thursday morning. Um, Carol says, we found the horses. Uh, do you think you can find somebody to go with us? We're going to go get them. It's <laughs> like, well, I'll see what I can do. Yeah. I was in, I was in right. college at the time. I had, you know, all these assignments and whatnot and, you know, papers. I'm like, well, you know. There's only so many things that I can make excuses for. And, you know, I, I went, you know, two thirds of the way across Alaska to look for a you know, lost horse this weekend instead of writing this paper. Doesn't really sound, you know, like that good of an excuse. Uh, like that's really right. believable. <laughs> I mean, maybe it was like, I went across the state of Alaska to retrieve an English saddle that got left in the woods. That might've been a little more believable. <laughs> so yeah, I, I found it. D depending on the professor. I, I, I called yeah. everybody I could possibly think of that would, you know, come out, uh, to look for these horses and mm. I, nobody was available. So finally I was like, I wonder if my dad would be available. So I call him up. He's like, Hey, you want to come up? Uh, we're going to go find these horses. And he's like, actually I'm available. So we get in the pickup truck with Carol and I am, I just jumped in the back seat. I'm like, I am not adding to that depression on the floorboard, but there should be a break in the passenger <laughs> seat of that pickup truck. <laughs> So, yeah, whole drive up, you know, like a bat out of hell. Uh, we were, we were making tracks. Uh, mm -hmm. we had a mission and we were going to get these horses. Uh, made it up and I was in like, I think we left at four, maybe four, three or four in the afternoon. Got up there like six the next morning, slept for maybe 30 minutes. Met mm -hmm. the like the local guy that had seen these, you know, horses while he's out caribou hunting. He'd seen them a few different times and then seen the poster. And he's like, Oh yeah, like they're just over this ridge. Like, I'll go with you. I was like, Well, that's really nice. So yeah, we met him, drove out to the trailhead, walk in. Sure enough, um, I don't know, five, six miles in, find the horses. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't believe how well this is going. I'm like, I don't know. Uh, my experience with horses is a little jaded at this point. I'm like, something <laughs> bad is going to happen. Like, this is just going a little too well. Oh, uh, there's just no way. I mean, after the drive up, only getting, you know, 30 minutes of sleep, not sleeping all night, mm -hmm. hiking in. And it's not five miles to like a trailhead. I mean, we, yeah, we went down the trail for maybe a half a mile and then peeled off. 
And he's just going through the dwarf will or dwarf birch and the willows and the swamp and whatnot. It's mm. exhausting uh, work. So out, you know, five miles back, I don't know, maybe three. Like we're just not going to make it back, you know, in the daylight. We might as well just go ahead and camp. Yeah. I don't think I've ever tied two horses so securely in my entire life. I was not <laughs> letting them get away. <laughs> yeah. So the next day, yeah, you know, we uh, <laughs> took the horses, made it back to the pickup trucks, and here's Carol. He's saying, oh, I'm ready to go. Like, I slept for the last, you know, day and a half while you guys were looking for those horses. Like, let's drive. And I know it's like four in the afternoon. Well, I was a little slow on the draw, and I got the front seat. (laughs) (laughs) Just pushing forward the whole time. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And I don't know if you're very familiar with with Caribou Creek Cut up by Gunsight Mountain. Mm-hmm. Been through there. Um, this is this is down um, north of Palmer, a ways. Mm. Uh, yeah, Palmer in Wasilla area. And it's this big giant cut where this uh, Carewell Caribou Creek comes out, and you're looking down into like the Matanuska River Valley. And I mm-hmm. want to say there's like a passing lane going up and maybe a single lane going down. And we're going down, and I don't know. It's like two in the morning, two thirty in the morning. And you know, Carol and I are talking, just trying to keep each other awake. At this yeah. point, he's tired, and I'm exhausted. And this is something I learned from Carol. You said, you know, you're exhausted, huh? You're running behind a truck. Yeah, right. <laughs> so he's telling me, he said, you know, back in the day, I used to haul stock through Canada. He said, you know, uh, if you drive real, you know, you drive faster if you drive at night and you use the whole road. Mm. <laughs> I'm not talking like your lane. Right. Entire paved surface. That all used to be one one road until somebody put a line in the middle of it, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you get, you get the idea. Yeah. So here we're going around Caribou Creek Cut at 2.30 in the morning going downhill. Must be going like 85, maybe fast. I mean, at least it felt that fast at least. And my, my nerves were a little, you know, afraid at this point. That maybe weren't going quite that fast. I'll say on but that road like, especially. I mean, maybe it felt like 120, but either way. All of a sudden, I see headlights chugging up that, you know, uh, lane, the mm-hmm. far outside lane. I'm like, Carol, you see those? I'm like, I'm a little, a little concerned. He's a little bit older, you know, mm. maybe night vision isn't quite so good. <laughs> that depression got really, really deep. I'm sure I added like a quarter inch <laughs> just in that one moment. And, uh, he's like, I'm trying, I'm trying to take it easy on the horses in the back. And, oh man, there must've been <laughs> six inches between our mirrors as we're going like in the passing lane down the hill mm-hmm. uh, with this 18 wheeler just chugging along like. 30 going up, you know, in a really low gear. Uh, we get uh, to Eagle River, um, Anchorage, drop my dad off, and we keep on going. Mm-hmm. And I think we got home at like 7.30 the next morning. It, I'm sure, wow. you know, if you've been in the military, if you've, you've gone on some extreme backpacking trips, there's a point when you haven't slept in so long that everything just hurts mm-hmm. and you're not even hungry anymore. You just, your body starts just slowly shutting Mm -hmm. down. Like what's, you know, what's a necessity? What's a necessary feeling to survive? I just remember just feeling nauseous. I was so tired. Mm -hmm. He's like, oh, let's, let's cook up some breakfast. I'm like, Carol, I'm going to bed. (laughs) (laughs) So two days later, uh, he's like, oh, I, he called me up. He's like, yeah, you know, uh, that worked out pretty good going sheep hunting with them horses. What do you think about going sheep hunt next year? <laughs> hey, you know, 
you know, when you're tough, it's just. <laughs> yep. So that, uh, that's, that is you, a salute to uh, Carol and his <laughs> iron will and uh, indomitable. Um, yeah, optimism. I guess. You know, if that was a pretty good hunt, I'd be, I'd be horrible to, or horrified to hear some of his bad hunt stories. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure I want to hear about that tug trip going north. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> no, that's. I, I see. You know, I was a little. I was a little curious at the beginning when you said pick your pick your hunting partners wisely. But but I, I see it now. I see it now. I do have one question though. Considering the the story you told in in the Monday's episode, and then this story, have you ever had a sheep hunt that went smoothly? <laughs> hmm, that's an excellent question. <laughs> it I might just be sheep. This for a minute. It might just be sheep hunting for you. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, there was a sheep hunt. Um, yeah, that went that went decently smoothly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's not just all sheep hunts that that just break out the mayhem no i don't know I, I think you mix horses in with anything there's like this elevated level of un- unpredictability on oh there is you, know, you, you mix an equine critter with uh alaska backcountries like yeah you know yeah are happen. let's go well, ahead and strap you know a foreign dead object to it let's see what happens <laughs> Well, you know, I, I, I know there's a couple of guide outfits in the state that run horses um, mm-hmm. for moose and other things. Um, and then uh, I've, I've read some about people using horses for for hunts and whatnot. And that's it, there always seems to be some some factor that people don't, you, you know, that you just can't predict. Like you said, it just adds unpredictability. And and I, I think it's it's something that's fascinating. I would love to go on a horseback hunting trip uh, at some point, um, but I, I feel like. I need to know a lot more than I do currently <laughs> before I try to embark on something like that. So, uh, you know, since that was my introduction to horseback hunting and, and since I've done mm-hmm. quite a few other horseback hunts and it is truly one of the best ways in, in my opinion, yeah, uh, to see and experience the wilderness. It, yeah. a, a good horseback hunt is unlike any other type of hunting. I mean, it adds a whole nother dimension of mm-hmm. enjoyment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, 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 and that's pretty much been the story I've heard from everybody that's done it. And that's, that's a big reason I want to, I want to try it so bad is, you know, just to, just to get that experience. Um, and well, it just sounds amazing. So <laughs> when a 70 something year old Alaskan says, I've had nine great Alaskan adventures. <laughs> I need help on my tent. Would you come with me? I'm going to go horseback sheep hunting. I guess you'll just be able to say, uh, yeah. of course I'll come along. <laughs> yeah. And then you get to go sheep hunt, or, uh, horseback hunting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll just <laughs> wait for that opportunity to arise. <laughs> um, well, let's take a quick break, Mo, and uh, we'll jump back. <laughs> All right, folks. We all know that one of the most common mishaps in hunting is damage to your rifle scope. Last year, I found the solution to that problem with the Stealthy Hunter rifle cover. It wraps around your scope and actions securely to protect it from getting knocked off of zero or even severely damaged. 
Stealthy Hunter also has a glassing pad and a wide variety of supplements for the outdoorsman, such as protein powder, CBD products, turmeric, and gut health supplements. They also make a lightweight trauma kit weighing in at just 14 ounces that includes everything you need and nothing you don't for all of your backcountry medical emergencies. To shop all of their equipment and supplements, go to StealthyHunter.com and enter the discount code at checkout, The Northern Hunter, to save on your order today. All Stealthy Hunter equipment is proudly made in the USA. All right, so so that was a a, a very very interesting story about uh, everything going wrong. What would you say? Let me ask you this: What would you say would be your uh, what you consider your greatest success out in the woods so far? Like what what was like a, an instance where you like what did you tackle so far that you think is like th- that's what I've got to beat to get to the next level? Oh, I the sheep hunt. That one itself. <laughs> I mean, I, <laughs> to, to, you know, and honestly, to come out of that one successful, I mean, it, it is amazing. <laughs> All those it, things stacked against you, and to come out with a sheep on your back. <laughs> uh, you know, thank goodness it wasn't on my back. It was actually in the back of a a very um, unwilling horse. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um. You know, I, I look at that. You know, sheep. Oh, it, it hangs on the wall. I did a European mount. Uh, mm. I'm not super big into, you know, like trophies and whatnot. It's like, I, don't get me wrong. I, I I love harvesting, you know, mature, you know, representations of a species and preserving that. Mm. But it's, it's all the other memories that go along with it. I mean, that's why I go to such extreme lengths to, you know, go hunting. It's like, well, okay. Right. If I was trying to purely sustain myself nutritionally mm-hmm. i wouldn't go to that effort yeah right but i'm chasing something more than that mm-hmm. and when you are chasing something more than that um the world's your oyster i mean yeah. enjoy it you know absolutely you, i don't know <laughs> jump right in I, you don't know how to do it well go figure it out yep <laughs> <Yeah>. exactly <laughs> and, and learning how to learn is probably one of the biggest biggest things has helped me do that personally mm, yeah I mean, everybody learns a different way but like learning how you learn best yeah like sometimes it's like okay how can i and sometimes it's academic otherwise it's in life mm-hmm. uh, but learning how you learn if you learn how to teach yourself things mm. you can go anywhere mm-hmm. yeah that, so that's master, very true if there's one thing you need to master master that yeah and everything else well that eventually will become easy Yep, in, in whatever whatever manner that looks like, whether it's it's you know finding people to talk to, YouTube podcasts, learning you know in person, just going out and getting you know getting out in the woods and just experiencing. I mean, yeah, that's that's a huge one. There is just how how do you learn? Um, I had one one last question for you. Um, we talked in the last one about the the uh kind of the lifestyle of an entrepreneur. Uh, you know, you're, you're running, running the, uh, the Wrangle gear company. You're, you've got a, your hands in all kinds of different things. And one, uh, what would you say your, your like staple hunts are? Like, what are the things you focus on the most? And two, talk about how you kind of balance out like a, a busy lifestyle 
while still focusing on, on, on being able to get out in the woods and, and, and pursue this passion of hunting. Um, cause I feel like for a lot of people, they get overwhelmed with life. They get overwhelmed with what's going on around them and, and they just kind of lose, lose sight of what's going on or, or, or lose sight of that passion, I should say. So what's like, how do you, you approach all of that and with balance and, and whatnot? Oh, uh, balance. That's an interesting term. Um, <laughs> especially in a chaotic world. <laughs> Tell you what, let's just back up a little bit because yeah. I think this is really boils down to like at the core level of it all, a life philosophy. Mm-hmm. So yeah. most people, um, you know, they do what society says they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, they, they go to school, everybody, you know, goes through, you know, an education system where they learn to, you know, conform in certain ways. And yep. then based on what you think you're supposed to do, like, oh, I'm supposed to go to college. Oh, I'm supposed to go to college. Then I get a job Oh, in order to go to college. I'm supposed to get student loans mm-hmm. or, you know, and you end up developing a lifestyle that's very similar to everything else that is, or everyone else is around you. Now for society, that actually makes a lot of sense, right? If you can create more commonalities in understanding somebody else's life, it actually benefits, you know, like a culture. Mm-hmm. And just, okay, I understand you because I, I lived a similar life style, right. if that makes sense. I'm not saying like every individual um, is like another individual and has the exact same experiences, but when you have the same foundation of building blocks of what you built your life upon, they're like, eh, okay. <clears throat> I have a bit more of a, an idea when I step in, it's a fewer variables to take into consideration. Mm, yeah. It is my observation that most people are comfortably miserable in life. Yeah. As I a result agree. of those decisions. When I say by comfortably miserable, I mean, they are comfortably failing. They are miserable enough with their life that they dream of changing it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but they're just comfortable enough that they don't really have the motivation to do so. Right. Yeah. So when you're comfortably miserable, you likely stuck in a life, maybe, you know, a job you don't really care for, but you got to work a job in order to be able to afford the bills, et cetera, et cetera. And you have built a life that you have to be in that cycle to maintain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess through a series of, uh, you could call them unfortunate or fortunate events. I got forced out of that mm, yeah. uh, in my 20s, early 20s. Mm-hmm. And I am very, very grateful for that. Yeah. Was it uncomfortable? Absolutely. Was it miserable? <laughs> yes. Um, so as far as balance, when you create a life that has balance and you're like, oh, okay, well, I work a nine to five job, but I want to be able to be in shape, but I work behind a desk. Then after you know, work nine to five and behind a desk, they have to go to the gym to be able to work out in order to be able to maintain, you know, my health and fitness. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, it's just imbalanced. Like it's not mm-hmm. necessarily self-sustaining. You end up taking so much time. It's that one finite thing we all have is like, we only have so much time. Right. Like, hey, well, I, in order to maintain fitness, then that takes time away from family. And, mm-hmm. you know, what other other hobbies you might have. So I'd say, you know, build a life that allows you to go hunting. Yeah. Or just make it a priority. Um, I mean, and if you make it a priority, I mean, not everybody can do this. You know, I'm fortunate enough to be able to say, okay, um, if I'm going to guide some fishing trips, okay, well, uh, August 20th, I'm leaving. I'm going moose hunting. That's mm-hmm. a condition of my employment. 
Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or, you know, and you're working for yourself, you're selling, you know, backpacks like uh, or bags or, you know, other accessories and whatnot. Like with Wrangle, for example, it's like, well, mm-hmm. I mean, I want to be able to take care of customers, but I, you know, I might have an auto respond like, hey, I'm out hunting. Like, I'll get back, you know, on <laughs> right. or before this date. Uh, I'd be happy to fulfill your order if it's delayed, you know, our apologies. We're out hunting. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, no. So, I, yeah. I don't know. This is kind of like a long answer to a rather uh, direct question, but there's a lot that goes into that. It's, yeah. you, you will find time mm. for things that are priority for you. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You will. It's it's that desire. It, it all boils back to how much desire do you have to make it happen. Absolutely. Yeah. And 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 honestly, it's it's that prioritization that that's the big thing. I mean, and it goes as you you so so well put it. I mean, I'm glad you went into as much detail there because it is it's something as involved as hunting is. Whether it's the time, the gear, the the you know, uh, well, time is the biggest one. Right, right. <laughs> Um, you know, it, it's something you've really got to put on the priority list or it's, it's just going to fall, fall out because, and, and you've got to build the rest of your life around the ability to do that. Um, and, and I see so many people, they, they, they have the, it's kind of just on the back burner, you know, and, and the desires is there, but just not, they're, they're not able to. Miserable. Yeah. Comfortably miserable. That's a, that's the way you put it is, is, is the best way. Yeah. That's, I like that. I like that term. <laughs> yeah. Well, feel, feel I mean, it's, it's sad that so many people are in there, but you know, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's very accurate. Yeah. It doesn't mean that, you know, uh, my life is always great, you know, either. It's, it's all, you know, roses. It's, you know, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. life. I mean, we all have our, our struggles and we all have to choose what, you know, what that fight's going to be. Is that going to yeah. be our work? Or is that going to be, you know, getting time off to go hunting? Is that going to be miserable while I'm out hunting? Yeah. <laughs> hunting partners wisely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and then who you surround yourself with. I think that's the other big thing. Like if you surround mm. yourself, I mean, uh, like a very, very core level, like for example, your spouse, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm very, very fortunate. You know, my wife loves to get out and hunt with horses. You know? Yeah. Take, take yeah. horses out and go hunting. Uh, yeah. Best hunting partner, you know, does she doesn't complain when, you know, it's windy, wet, when the bugs are bad, when we run out of food. It's like, I don't know. <laughs> we went out hunting uh, for the first time together. And I was like, you're like the best hunting partner. You don't complain when it's, you know, all these things. And you're like, well, why would I complain? Isn't that hunting? I'm like, it is. Don't complain. Yeah, like, right. Yeah. After you have, you know, a certain number of clients uh, or, you know, a certain number of bad hunting partners that didn't expect mm-hmm. it to be this miserable. Having mm-hmm. somebody that, you know, goes hunting with you that doesn't complain about these things. That's really, really nice. Oh, and, and having that type of person surrounding you helps strengthen those traits and characters, you know, absolutely you know, in yourself and in your friends and, you know, the type of media you consume, you become mm-hmm. like it. Yeah. To a certain extent. Yep. That's entirely, absolutely true. Um, well, what do you got to say, Mo? You've been sitting over there for a little while now. I have been. I'm just sitting here and <laughs> listening, enjoying the stories. Um, I would say, is there any uh, like great successful hunt story? Like just everything went right that you, you know, that'd be quick and easy to tell. Like, you know, went out and shot what we were supposed to shoot and turned out really nice. You got any stories like that? <laughs> yeah. You know, I actually do. Um, 
I think I have what well, one comes to mind, like right off the get go. Uh, it was a moose hunt. It was opening day. Show up. And when I when I say opening day, I mean opening day. You know, it opens at midnight. Okay, so right. you should be out in the field. You know, by two a.m. It's right. How how miserable are you willing to be in order to accomplish your goal? Right, uh, right. And if you're willing to be a little bit more miserable than the rest of everybody else, then you're likely to be more successful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you know, it's that two a.m. wake up call. Nobody likes it. I don't like it, but you know, I like eating moose. So there we go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyhow, took the boat out and zipped up river. <sighs> Made it to a swamp. Sat there. I mean, it's dark. You know, it's like I don't know four in the morning maybe mm-hmm. well, it's probably late it's probably like four thirty, and i could hear moose like out in the swamp like splashing 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 they just cut the motor and you know kind of pull into some of the weeds mm-hmm. uh, it was like a little stability with the breeze you know i get them blown around and first light i mean there's a legal moose right there no kid yeah so yeah, it was that uh, <laughs> rare one day moose hunt? Uh, well, yeah. just rare in general, one day hunt. <clears throat> yeah. I, yeah, I would always tell people, um, and I, I learned this from an individual that has way more guiding experience than I do, and there are many, 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 many people that have more experience than I do. But I thought it was full of wisdom when he said, "Never." You know, I always tell his clients, "Never pass up an animal on the first day that you would shoot on the last day." Yeah, yeah, yeah that is phenomenal advice. So meat moose. Yep. Yep. Opening, you know, first light. Boom. <laughs> I think that also, you know, it was really good that uh that, that went so well because I remember there being like a bit of an ammo shortage that year. I think I went hunting with three rounds. Oh wow. Yeah. Couldn't find ammunition anywhere. Yeah. So it was one of those like, <laughs> well, it better go right. <laughs> Oh, hope right. you're on zero. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hopefully I can find Emily for next year. Or I'm going to go hunting with two rounds. <laughs> right. You know, it got like that in Fairbanks for a good while. You don't by chance shoot like you. a 300 short mag, do you? <laughs> uh, I know not what you speak of. Okay. So, I haven't seen ammo on the shelves for that thing in probably two years now. Wow. That long. Yeah, really? I, and I have some other loads for it, but what I was zeroed for on our deer hunt last winter, I went mm-hmm. with, I think, like a, like 15 rounds. That's what I had. I do remember that. <laughs> I think I've got like 11 now. <laughs> well, at least two of them went into, went into deer. So. Yeah, but now yeah. I've got, hand, and now I'm working up my own hand loads, so. Yep, there you go. <laughs> All right, well, uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap this one up for today. Um, I really appreciate you uh, you coming on and sharing some stories and sharing some of your background there. That's, uh, <laughs> that's some pretty entertaining stuff. Um, real quickly, um, just in case anybody uh, missed the first episode that came out uh, this Monday, um, recap really kind of what Wrangle Gear is um, and where people can find your gear and, and uh, get, in t- get in contact with you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so Wrangle especially the outdoor equipment or Wrangle Gear is a outdoor equipment company. We make specialty outdoor equipment designed for the dedicated users, uh, dedicated adventurers and professional users, uh, such as guides and other Alaskan um, hunting types. 
If you want to check that out, go to www.wranglegear.com. If you're one of the individuals that has purchased one of our products and has used it, please do leave us a review. Uh, You can read the reviews at the bottom of each one of the product pages. Uh, Big thing with us, I know there's a lot of companies out there, they either pay for their reviews or they add seed reviews um, for their products. Mm. We don't do that. So when you see a review, that's actually what people have written. Uh, about the product after they've used it. Uh, you'll nice. see there's been a few um, few podcast reviews. We've given some products out and you know, had people uh, use them over uh, an extended period of time. They seem to really like them. We also have people, you know, just like uh, you've gone out, <clears throat> bought a piece of gear, taken out hunting for, you know, moose, sheep, bear, uh, goat, whatever. Uh, really, mm-hmm. really, really like the product. And yeah, so if you've bought a product, please do leave a review. It makes a world of difference for other people understanding why that product is uh, worth spending the money on. Uh, you can also find us on all the social medias. Um, that would be Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, or X, all underneath the username Wrangle Gear. Uh, check it out. We do have a limited run uh, edition of the Captain's Duffel. It's the all black um, Captain's Duffel. Oh, and perfect. we're doing just a limited run. We have a few left. If you want to go online, you can go ahead and order one of those <clears throat> and snatch one of those up. In fact, uh, let's go ahead and do a discount code for watching this uh, podcast. Oh, uh, awesome. We'll go ahead and just do a, a Northern Hunter. Uh, the Northern Hunter um, 10 will be the discount code. Go ahead and take 10% off your order for listening to this podcast and just enter that awesome. at checkout at www.wranglegear.com that discount will only be applied on the website so if you go to any of the retail locations such as um <clears throat> the wilderness way in soldatna or Pro mm. archery uh in anchorage that won't be applied so go ahead and head to the website get that discount awesome well hey we Great. appreciate that man um the and yeah, hopefully uh, all you listeners enjoyed getting to getting to know Lowell a little bit, and definitely go check out a lot of that gear. Um, kind of the same thing. If you'd like to support what we're doing here at the show, uh, you can uh, head over to thenorthernhunter.com, and uh, we have a a shop page there with some merch. We also mm-hmm. have the the partners page uh, with a bunch of uh, companies that have decided to partner with us and uh, support what we're doing here. Uh, we've got a full list of all their all their links and the codes you can use at, at checkout with them as well. Um, if you have any questions, there's a contact button there on the website, as, and you can also find us on any of the social medias if you search at the Northern Hunter on either Facebook or Instagram. Yep. And uh, as always, definitely uh, subscribe, leave us a review as well. Uh, ratings five stars is always best, and a, but a written review really helps people helps people find the show and pushes that out. We there. like reading so, them. Absolutely, we like reading them just as much as anybody else. So. <laughs> All right, well, Lowell, thank you one more time for coming on and uh, spending the evening with us. We've really enjoyed it. So, <laughs> oh, Absolutely. Thanks for having me on and uh, letting me pontificate on choosing your hunting partners wisely as well as <laughs> other uh, gear nerd, uh, gear junkie type uh, conversations. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, so uh, grab some good gear, choose your hunting partner wisely, and until uh, next time, get out there, get after it, and good luck. See you there.
All right, folks. We all know that one of the most common mishaps in hunting is damage to your rifle scope. Last year, I found the solution to that problem with the Stealthy Hunter rifle cover. It wraps around your scope and actions securely to protect it from getting knocked off of zero or even severely damaged. Stealthy Hunter also has a glassing pad and a wide variety of supplements for the outdoorsman, such as protein powder, CBD products, turmeric, and gut health supplements. They also make a lightweight trauma kit weighing in at just 14 ounces that includes everything you need and nothing you don't for all of your backcountry medical emergencies. To shop all of their equipment and supplements, go to StealthyHunter.com and enter the discount code at checkout, The Northern Hunter, to save on your order today. All Stealthy Hunter equipment is proudly made in the USA. 